0: So I, I know that I scared some of you earlier when I said we're going to um, make it through four chapters today. I understand that. You, you still have the, the dressing heavy on your belly and, and maybe you feel a nap coming on um, and you heard four chapters and that might have scared you a little bit. Don't be scared. Um, I think that we can um, accomplish this in, in a shorter time than you would have ever dreamed or imagined. Um, but, with that said, maybe we need to kick it off. I've brought a couple of items to kind of set the stage for what the text is. And, and if we get that, then I think the, the text will go a lot smoother and a lot faster. So, i brought a couple of items. I've brought, um, brought a neti pot. Um, everybody familiar with the neti pot? Uh, well, let's do it. Who is not familiar with a neti pot? Okay. Um, th- this is God's gift to humanity right here. Um, this, will, this will clean that nose right on out. And so if you've never um, seen one of these, you, you fill it with water, you stick it in one side, and you drain it out the other side. <laughs> I know, that's, but they're glorious. I mean, they are glorious. So I brought a neti pot. Um, I'll auction this off after the service. It's been used slightly. Um, um, so as a matter of fact, I'm not sure I need to put that on the Lord's text here. So let's move that out of the way. Okay. Um, so, so I brought a neti pot. And then I also brought a pair of uh, scissors. And we all know what this is, uh, to which you're like, Troy, you should not be handling scissors. So I agree. I'll put it down quickly. Um, so we have a pair of scissors. Um, and then I brought um, one other thing. I brought some uh, Oreos, um, which every, now everybody wants these, right? Okay, so I brought a thing. And they're Oreo Thins, which is how God designed Oreos to be. Yes, that's, that's, that's true. Um, I know some of you guys are double-stuffed, mega-stuffed, and all that kind of stuff. See, that is just Satan taking what's perfect and making it bad. Um, but nonetheless, we got, we got Oreos. So my question to you as we kick off this time, and I promise this will make sense. Well, <laughs> I hope it will make some sense. Um, is this. What do all three of these items have in common? I didn't mean for that to occur, but they are indeed all blue. Wow, okay, Um, that messed that hole up. Uh, Act like they're not blue. So what what usefulness do these three things all have in common? If you stare at them long enough, um, and you don't get too tuned into them and try to make something up, you'll just come up with a logical answer that... They don't have anything in common, nothing. I mean, you, I guess you could, in theory, cut an Oreo, stuff it up your nose, and then wash it out the other side with a neti pot. Um, that'll just get you put in North Harbor. Um, but other than that, there, there's, there's nothing really in common with all these three things. They're just random objects other than the fact that they oddly are all blue. Um, and, and my point is this. The only thing, and there's only one thing, the only one thing that's in common with all these things is that they do have an intrinsic value to their owner. That's it. To me, as the owner of all these... I do own these. Uh, As the owner of all... You heard that, kids, Cole. You do not own these. Um... I can use the neti pot, and it has value to me. I can use the scissors, and it has value to me. I can use the Oreos, and it has value to me. All three completely distinct, yet the thing that's in common is they all have value to me. I think if you can get that in your head, then I think that four chapters of Exodus will make sense in about seven minutes. It's that simple. That's where we're at in the text. So where we've journeyed all the way through Exodus is this. God has saved the people from slavery. He's taken a people who was in slavery. He's rescued them out. Then He's redeemed those people for His own. He's gave them a name, a language, um, actions, everything that, that makes them them. And then He's going to use these people on mission for His glory. And He's going to do certain things through them. Ultimately to bring about the Messiah, to bring about the Christ child. And so he did all of those things, rescued, saved, redeemed, so that through a lot of moving parts, he could offer salvation to the world through using many different things, all equal in their intrinsic value to the one that created them. That's where the text is headed. So I'm going to read for us Exodus 35 through 39 in part. It'll be on the screen, but I think these verses that I've plucked out, and I know that's odd for Safe Haven to just kind of pluck some verses out. You just have to trust me that we're not cherry-picking them, taking them out of context. This will give you the flow of all these four chapters together. So here's what it sounds like. In chapter 35, Moses says to all the congregation of the people of Israel, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Verse 5. Whoever is of generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet yarns, fine twined linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skin, goat skin, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and the fragrance insects, onyx stones, stones for setting, for the ephod and for the breastplate. Verse 10. Let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded, The tabernacle, its tent, its covering, its hooks, its frames, its bars, its pillars, its bases, and there's a ton more there. Verse 22. So they came, both men and women, all who were of willing heart, brought ruches, earrings, signet rings, armlets, all sorts of gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. Skip forward to verse 29. All the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a freewill offering to the Lord. Verse 30. And then the Lord did something unique. The Lord called by name Bezalel, the son of Uriah, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, with all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs. Keep going. And he's inspired him to teach both him and Oholiab, the son of Ahishamach of the tribe of Dan. He has filled them with skill to do every sort of work done by an engraver or by a designer or by an embroiderer. And then there's a whole lot of text in between that to get us to chapter 36. And Moses called Bezalel and Aholiah. And every craftsman in whose mind the Lord had put skill. Hear that. If you hear that, you can tune me out the rest of the time. Every craftsman in whom the Lord had put skill. Everyone whose heart stirred him up to come to do the work. Chapter 39, verse 32. Thus, thus. Because of all of those things and all of those people, thus all the work of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting was finished. And the people of Israel did according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses, so they did. Then they brought the tabernacle to Moses, the tent and all of its utensils, its hooks, its frames, its bars, its pillars, its bases... The covering of tanned ram's skin and goat skin and the veil of the screen. The ark of the testimony with its poles and the mercy seat. The table with all its utensils and the bread of the presence. The lampstand of pure gold and its lamps with the lamp set and all its utensil and oil for light. The golden altar, the anointing oil, the fragrant incense and the screen for the entrance of the tent. The bronze altar and its grating of bronze, its poles, its utensils, the basin and its stand, the hangings of the court, its pillars, its bases, and the screen for the gate of the court, its cords, its pegs. It's pegs? God cares about the pegs? The pegs. And all the utensils for the service of the tabernacle for the tent of meeting, the finely worked garments for the ministering of the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron and the priest, and the garments of his son for their service as priest, according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses. So the people of Israel had done all the work, and Moses saw all the work, and behold, they had done it as the Lord had commanded, so they had done it. Then Moses blessed them. Four chapters. All screaming the exact same thing. I think there's five notables that could illustrate or highlight where this text is, what it's teaching, what it's, what it's showing to us, like how this is applicable to us today. Five things, and they'll pop up on the screen. Number one is this. I think through that text, through these four chapters, you can see this, that there's a clear connection between God's presence and human work. You can see that very clearly. What I mean by it is this. God cared deeply about the specifics of his house. Did y'all see that? Did y'all catch that? He cared about the pegs, the tent, the colors. Not only that, but he cared about the people that did the work of the coloring and the pegs and the tents and the clothes. He cared about all of it. So, when you hear somebody say, "Ah, the church is just a group of people and it's not a house and it's not a building and all that kind of stuff, that's partly true. But God very much cares about His buildings, His places. He He very much cares about those things. He cares about the things that are set apart and dedicated unto Him. He cares about those things. Yes, He cares about His people. But He cares about stuff too and the way that stuff is presented. And His presence is intricately tied to the work of those things. I guess what I'm saying is this. If chapter 34, 35, 36, 37, and 38 and 39, if there's no work done there, chapter 40 doesn't happen. Now for those of you who've read ahead and know what's coming in chapter 40, the Shekinah glory of the Lord moves in and it sits down and it erupts like an explosion of light. And it's God's very presence. His presence doesn't come unless the work is done for the four chapters before. His presence is intricately tied to the work that He's set before us to do. I think there's a clear connection and we can see that. But I us kind of flesh that a little more. So what that means is this, number two. Everyone has been created with work in mind. The beginning of Genesis, man, woman was created and work was set before them. Work doesn't stop. It continues on. As a matter of fact, it's a part of being a part of the image of God. Being an image bearer means that we're used to produce things. So, some of you would have benefited from our study of systematic theology where we went through heaven and hell two semesters ago, um, to where we studied this. A lot of people think, okay, one day I cannot wait to get to heaven where I will just have a two million year nap. right? It doesn't work that way. Even in eternity, we continue to work. We we serve. As a matter of fact, we are freed to work in a way we've never been freed to work before without the stresses and the pressures. So for those of you who are craftsmen and stuff like that, you'll craft like never before in eternity. We're created and designed. Work never stops from Genesis to Revelation and on. It's an expression of who we are. God made us to produce things. As a matter of fact, I think... The little trinkets we see now that we're blown away with in 2022, we're like, whoa, that's like, man, how kind has really come along. When we get to eternity and see all the things that mankind will be able to produce, it will it will make us look back and go, well, that was a neti pot. All that occurred back on Earth was nothing more than a mere neti pot. We're released now to freely use our gifts like never seen before. So. Everyone's been created with work in mind and work reflects God's glory upward in worship and outward in evangelism. And so that's why we see all this through these chapters. We said God pulled the people aside and He said, hey, I want you to do some things. And the reason I want you to do some things, one, is because I created you and I designed you to do them. I put the Spirit of me in you to pull them off. So it goes upward as a reflection of worship. What I mean is this, when we're lazy and do nothing, we're not worshiping. But when we reflect through work, we are worshiping through work. And so when we do that, it reflects back the glory of God. And then number two, it reflects it outwardly. God uses it to shine His glory to other people. So, two things. God's presence and human work are intricately tied. I don't think you can separate the two. Number two, everyone in this room has been created with work in mind. Everyone. Everyone in this room whose heart is beating right now has been designed to do something. And then number three. So what about these abilities? I'm going to confess to you ahead of time that I think I made up three words. At least one or two of these words are completely made up, but you'll get the point. Here's something about those abilities. Abilities can be under-spiritualized, over-spiritualized, and delusionalized. I definitely think the last one is a made-up word. right? But the other two I think we could go with, maybe if we just put a hyphen in between them. Abilities can be these things. So as you think about your abilities and how God has made you, I hope you haven't fallen into one of these dangers. Let's look at them real quick. Here's the dangers. Number one, our gifts can be under-spiritualized, meaning that we have a dependence on self. What you want to do without the Lord's leading So, it's under spiritualized. In other words, I'm not called or gifted, but I'll just do it because nobody else is doing it. When you do that and you don't have a pushing or an inkling of the Spirit leading you to do something, that will ultimately lead to your burnout and demise. I'll promise you that right now. I've been in ministry for a long time, and I've seen a lot of people do stuff in their own power, and they do it for a little bit, and then they flat burn out, and then they're exhausted. And then they get ticked, well, nobody else was doing it, so I'm not going to do it, blah, 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 blah. So I think we can under-spiritualize our gifts and just go, well, there's no spirit-leaning anyway. We just kind of do what we do. So that's kind of an under-spiritualization. We can pull off things that God's not asking for. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Just do things for the sake of doing things. I just feel like it'd be cool, or it's kind of hip, it's kind of fad, it's kind of whatever, they did this, so I'm going to do this, or... Whatever. If you're doing something that God's not called you to do, then tie those two things I said to you before together, then what you're doing doesn't necessarily mean the presence of the Lord is going with you. It just means you're doing stuff. And that will lead to complete exhaustion. Does that make sense? So I think that's a danger. But then number two, I think we can over-spiritualize our gifts. Over-spiritualization being this that unless an angel from heaven literally flutters into your room and sits down and goes, hey, I've called you to do this, then I'm not going to do anything. Now that would be an example of over-spiritualization. I've got to have a sign. Gold dust from heaven come down to tell me to keep those kids. Do that thing. It's this over-spiritualization. And in this, what happens is... So when that doesn't happen, we just get lazy. And then we don't do anything at all. Well, God hasn't given me the gold dust. He hasn't given me the sign. He hasn't given me whatever. So therefore, I'm just really not going to do anything. And I would argue that largely in the church in America, that's about, if the old rule stays true, about 80% of congregants in the church. Everybody else is taking care of it. And God hasn't fluttered down and told me to do it. So therefore, I just... I won't do it. It's the whole eighty twenty rule, right? So it's under spiritualized. It can be over spiritualized, but then delusionalized. And here's what I mean by this. And this is rare, but it does happen, man. And it usually happens in every single congregation. There's at least one or two people that's just pompous and arrogant. And then this, I just have, I've got all the gifts. I can do it all. I can sing. I can greet. I can paint the walls. I can keep the kids. I can just kind of... I can do it all and there's no need to delegate to anybody. Just And that's a danger too. Then, it's not I'm asking the Lord what He wants me to do or what He doesn't want me to do, what I'm gifted to do, what I'm not gifted to do. I just kind of... I'll just do everything. I'm the, I'm the Pope. And a lot of you guys have been in churches where there was a Pope usually with the name Deacon slapped right before it. Deacon Pope. You know, whatever. So these things can be all jammed together, Right? So this is where abilities can go wrong. Over-spiritualized, under-spiritualized, or just this delusion of grandeur that one person can do it all. But here's where abilities can be glorious. And if these are tapped into, here's where God's presence... Remember, don't, don't detach the first one of what the text showed us. Don't detach them from the rest of it. When abilities are working properly, they can be glorious, harmonious, and efficacious. Efficacious is a word. Um, and I needed something with shuss on the end. So therefore, we went with it. Let's look at these things. When abilities are working, when, when chapter 34 through 39 is working right, here's the beautiful thing about the way that God's gifted His church. Number one is it can be glorious. The Lord is worshiped when all value He has distributed is on display as He designed and desires. What that that means is this: You were gifted to do something for the Lord's worship, specifically to display His glory. I'm always intrigued when we go to Mississippi State and watch Kobe during the um, the wind ensemble performance. It, It because you've got all these instruments. And you've got the, the, the people banging the timpanis. Boom. And then you've got the trumpets. Trumpet players are so loud. And then you've got the saxophone. Whoa, oh, and you can hear it. You know, you, um, the, um, the dingy bell thing, the xylophone thing. Ding, ding, ding. You can hear those things. Bing, bing, bing. And then every now and then, occasionally, all those things will drop out, and you can hear the clarinets. And, and they're doing their thing. But there's one instrument that I have yet... I don't even know why the thing exists. The piccolo. It's about the size of this pen right here. And there's always a couple of people who have the little piccolo. The piccolo is not even a full-sized flute, right? So if you're a flautist, I mean, you've got to be loud to be a flautist, right? But a piccolo is like, it's so little. But from what they say, they, whoever they are, the ear of the train conductor can hear when the piccolo is not in tune, even when the rest of the band is at full blow. You were created to do something that nobody else can do, in a way that nobody else can do it, in a place that nobody else can go, even if you feel like a piccolo. Piccolo. That's how God wired you. And when you sound off your piccoloness, there's another word. I mean, since we're making up words, this is make up a ton of them today. When you're blowing like the piccolo you were made to be, God is glorified. Not because your sound is as loud as the trumpet, but because your sound is the exact volume that God wants your sound to be. So the question is, are you doing it? So it's glorious. It can be glorious when our abilities are used. Number two, it can be harmonious. The church is truly in tune, in harmony, when all of the various sounds are functioning the way that God chose our sounds to function. When that occurs, when you're doing what you can do that nobody else can do, we're making a sound unto the Lord that says beautiful harmony. And it sounds like love and joy and freedom and peace. It's all the fruits of the Spirit. Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, all these things. Truth, grace, they all emanate from us when we're using our gifts for the glory of the Lord. And that's exactly what happened in chapters 35 through 39. And then finally, it's efficacious. So when it's harmonious, it begins to get fun. And everybody's applauding everybody else. Man, that is awesome. Yes, way to do your thing. And then it becomes effectual, if you will. The mission is flourishing as Christ is proclaimed in both word and deed. And I would argue this, that united community, united church community, and there can be disunited church community, united church community is the number one tool of evangelism that the Lord has given. I'll argue that every single day. As a matter of fact, I'll argue this. The United Church is God's plan A for the spreading of the news of His Son, and there is no plan B. It's you. It's me flying our gifts. That's how much you mean to the Lord. That's why He's gifted you the way He's gifted you. It is the number one tool of evangelism. So finally, as we wrap it up, I know, look at your clock. It is a Thanksgiving Christmas miracle. (laughs) Finally, number five. In God's church, there are blue collar, white collar, and people with spit up all over their collars. And that's what the church looks like. And that's how God designed it to be. Right now, there are men and women back there with literal spit up on their collars. And as they pray over their little kids, the little babies, God's doing a work in that room, unlike He's doing in this room for His own glory. Right up there, back there, there's little kids. And I don't know what the fad is with these boots that y'all, some little kids are wearing. <laughs> there's little boot stompers up there, stomping, running around. And there's people indoctrinating kids catechizing kids. We can use... The word indoctrination has been spun to be a negative thing. It's not a negative thing. We are called to indoctrinate our children. That's the purpose of the church. To teach them one generation to the next the excellencies of the Lord. They are teaching these kids right up now. Right up here. And God's doing a work unlike He's doing in this room. Right back there. There are kids wrestling one another. (laughs) That's kind of what happens back there in that area. There are kids up there wrestling one another, and God's doing a work in that room through those leaders unlike He's doing in this room. This right here is not the pinnacle of church. It's just a subset. All gifts being flied in different ways. As people drove in this morning, right now, I can see there are people outside guarding the church building. As a matter of fact, we've now we got a security camera now. I don't know if you all heard about that. Uh, We caught somebody doing the donut in the front. Anyway, uh, we're going to post that, and then we're going to try to find that person and speak some grace into them. Um, (laughs) Right? But there are people who greeted people when they came in, who welcomed them, and so there's no one who can walk into Safe Haven and go, nobody said hey to me. They're being loved as soon as you walk up. Helping you find a place to park so you literally don't have to park in a ditch. God's doing something through that in a way that's different than here. Here's the thing. At church there are people who do videos. You don't even know. I, I, I want to say names because I want to start pointing out names. But I'm not going to do you know, I, Videos are recorded every single Sunday. That you nobody like nobody even pays attention to that. It's silent. There's no applause. Yet it's slapped on the internet and about I don't know, probably about six or seven times a month, I get a message from somebody out of state or here in the church um, who has re-watched something because they missed something or somebody out of state going, I'm following along through Exodus and the Lord's using that video that nobody... It's just silent, It's just done in the background, but it continues to spread. Then there are songs. There are, people, there are musicians who do pa pa pum pum I mean, that's when Christmas starts. It's when the drummer boys played. Um, that's in Hezekiah. Um, but they play, and it's loud, and it's prominent, and it's fun, and it's exciting, and blah, blah, blah. But you know how it's different than video? In about 30 minutes, you forget every song you sang. It's short-lived. It's prominent, but it's short-lived. And then you forget the song. And then you text Andrew and go, What was that song we did? And then Andrew goes, I don't remember. <laughs> I've already eaten and taken a nap, Troy. Yeah. It's short lived, but God uses it for a moment. In the church, there are lights on the wall. We had people up in a bucket. That's somebody that provided a bucket for people to get up in a bucket to put lights on the outside of the church building. Uh, somebody else came up a couple of weeks ago in the middle of the week that nobody even knew about to replace LA, um, little fluorescent bulbs throughout the building so that when your kids run around this thing like a dadgum racetrack, which I love. I love, okay? I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I'm the preacher who's like, run! And then you're like, no, no, you can't run in the Lord's house. I'm like, they're going to run in heaven. <laughs> They came in in the middle of the week and replaced every single light so that your kids wouldn't trip and bang each other's heads against one another. Nobody knows about it. But the Lord uses that. There are people at Thanksmas who were table hoppers, who just kind of walked around and shook hands. And some of y'all in this room are table hoppers. You, just, you can't help but go talk to people. That's a gift. And then there are other people in this room who you don't want nobody to know. Who you are, you just want everybody to taste your green bean bundles. <laughs> and you have a gift of green bean bundling. And you, you did your green bean. The gifts were all over the place. And then afterwards, there were people who just vacuumed the floor so that today you wouldn't be standing in pudding. Nobody knows. It's just a gift they have. They have the gift of service. They don't want applause. They just want to flex their gift. And serving is their gift. And the Lord uses that. All these things to say this. You can do something no one else can do, like no one else can do it, in a place no one else can go. And in doing so, you, in a real way, invoke the presence of the living God among us by flying your gifts. I think that's what Exodus 35 through 39 is saying to us. The word of God for the people of God. Band, come on back up. In your seat. As I was kind of fleshing through this with somebody this week, somebody goes, hey, hey, yay, we need to have a little sheet of paper in the seats. (laughs) And we do. And in front of you, you'll see this little serve card. It's ways in which you can serve. And maybe you go, but what I do is not on here. That's fine. You can can make up your own thing. You can write down maybe a way that you feel like the Lord would use you to serve. Um, But church, I unashamedly ask you as we continue on as a church, let's fly our gifts. Let's fly our gifts for the glory of God in some way, shape, form, or capacity. For His glory and for the spreading of His kingdom. Let's pray together. Well, Jesus, thank You for this text. I think it's funny, Lord, now that I think about it. I think if we would have started today, Lord, by just asking who is a holy ab, probably nobody in this room would have known unless they've studied the past week who that person is yet you use that specific individual to build the temple tabernacle (laughs) pegs specifically for your glory and that's probably how it's supposed to be God as I think about and reflect now that none of our gifts are meant to terminate on us but are to indeed be flexed for your glory so that people will look and go wow Look at that beautiful, incredible, amazing, majestic God who has united a group of people together to fly their gifts, which produces love and grace and peace and all those things. But somehow there's this presence of what they claim to worship among them. God, may that be said of safe haven. Some of us are Oreos and some of us are scissors and some of us are neti pots. But by gosh, we're all those things for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.